0: Who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now. Hello, American. Happy Friday. What a busy week it's been. And it continues to grow in importance and newsworthiness. Lots of questions at the White House press briefing today about the White House's reaction, the Biden White House's reaction and its plan for dealing with that extraordinary tragedy out on the Ohio-Pennsylvania border. First off, a lot of questions. Why haven't they made a disaster declaration? They do it for every other sort of crisis in America, but why that? And then secondly, why is Pete Buttigieg downplaying this? Why is he say, well, the trains derail all the time? Well, yeah, trains derail all the time, but <laughs> there wasn't a toxic plume in the sky like there is this time. Reporters, I think, are beginning to, to catch up to some of the mentality and mindset of the Biden White House in the midst of crises, and much like we saw with Afghanistan, with the China espionage balloon, the baby formula shortage. This president and his team often seem to be peddling from behind, and often to the times of even dismay by news media institutions that are aligned with them philosophically. The reporting press corps clearly getting a little bit more frustrated. You saw that yesterday when reporters were shouting questions at the president, and he simply. Wouldn't take a question. He sat there and listened and walked off without really engaging. So how about that? Well, we've got a really great show today. I want to zero in on something I've been talking about, writing about, but I want to get a real expert on this to further help us accentuate and zero in on this. We're on the topic of balloons a lot, but there's two different types of balloons, right? There's the the China espionage balloon. We know its national security implications pretty well now, although it's taken us two weeks to get a real straight answer from the United States government, from the Pentagon, and we still don't have a lot of answers. There's still some answers that say we don't know. The second part of this is what we have been talking about about the border. There are these very important surveillance balloons that the Customs and Border Protection Agency use to monitor dangerous points in the border. There are multiple reasons for them. One is that they surveil places where there might be blind spots. A Border Patrol agent all by themselves or in a small group want to know what's out over the horizon. And so if they run into an armed gang or drug runners, they know. That's one of the purposes of these balloons, which by the way are known as aerostats. That's the official name for them. They're surveillance balloons. They're kind of like the China balloon, maybe a little smaller, but they have cameras on them and they allow an extra set of eyes to an overwhelmed border protection agency now like we have with CBP. But the other thing they do is that they surveil the parts of the country where illegal aliens who don't come through the normal entry points, who try to sneak through an open porous area of the border, try to go through a lawless area of the border, not get detected. Now, the ones who go that route often have the most nefarious routes. These are the drug runners, the human traffickers, Maybe the people with terrorism connections, since we know some people came across the border that way who were terrorists or have terrorist connections. The aerostats, the surveillance balloons, were designed to capture those sort of folks and allow us to go after them if they posed a thing, and also to come up with an exact number of what is known as gotaways, because the total number of illegal migrants are those that are encountered and those that aren't encountered, the Godaways, And the total number has been running around three hundred to 350,000 a month in most months. January was down a little bit because it's the cold winter month, but it also was the highest January in American history. So though it was down, it was still higher than any other moment in American history for a January. Well, if you don't have the aerostats looking for the Godaways. Then some of those dangerous people, the people, the drug runners, the human traffickers, maybe the terrorist connected people, they are going to be unaccounted for. We're not going to see them. We're not going to go after them. We're not going to know who they are. But a second part of it is a political component, which means if those balloons don't capture it, the number of gotaways is going to go down in the statistical numbers that the Biden administration often tries to spin from the Homeland Security Department. We're blinding these Border Patrol agents to personal security dangers, we're blinding them to potential bad actors, and we're blinding them from being able to give the American people a real accounting of how many illegal aliens are crossing this border under this president's policies. And there is a lot of concern that all three of those motives, all three of those outcomes are bad for national security, bad for local security, for the local departments and communities on the border. And of course, as you know, the illegals move inward very quickly to the interior of the country. So it's really bad for every community in America. If we don't know a gotaway is dangerous because we don't even know the gotaways there, well... A local community may encounter that bad actor down the road. So a lot to think about in this. And I want to crystallize this discussion a little bit by bringing in somebody that has a tremendous amount of knowledge. We heard earlier this week from Mark Morgan. We heard earlier this week from Chad Wolf. Today, we're going to hear from John Zadrozny. He was one of President Trump's most trusted advisors on the border, on homeland security. He's now at America First Legal doing some very important work there in the litigation side of American domestic policy. But we're going to ask John about the aerostats and what's behind it, the motive, the consequences. This is a much bigger decision than what most of the news media are allowing it to be appreciated for. We want to give you the facts so you can make up your own mind on this. And there's no better person to do that than one of the experts who implemented the policies where border crossings dropped precipitously. And that was under President Trump. Historic lows now we have historic highs. That's a big swing. And John Zadrozny was part of a much larger team of people at the Trump administration, but he played a key role in helping President Trump close up the border, slow down the illegal immigration. And he's going to join us at the top of the show. And then in the second half of the show, we're we're very lucky to pivot and have a a very important conversation uh, that a lot of people have on their mind right now. I'm really fascinated by what sort of stories people are writing and reading when they come to Just the News. It really gives us a sense, and we're so lucky to have you as readers, because your reading tendencies, your consumption tendencies, kind of tells us what's important to America. And then we try to refocus our resources on those sort of stories, because we know they're important to you, and if they're important to you, they're important to the country at large. So, in the second half of today's show, we're going to have a great conversation with... Attorney General Patrick Morrissey from the great state of West Virginia. He is leading some of the litigation strategies that have been most impactful against the Biden administration's what was known as regulatory overreach. And so Attorney General Patrick Morrissey is going to walk Amanda and I through a conversation on some of the things he's doing. And there are two really important things. There is a thing called WOTUS. Waters of the USA, WOTUS, W-O-2-U-S. It's one of those alphabet soup acronyms, but it has really, really significant impact on the future of our food supply and the future of inflation and prices. Why is that? WOTUS was a law, Waters of the U.S. law, and it was designed to regulate environmental and other policies on navigable water bodies. Rivers, great lakes, large lakes, places where you might have a boat. But this administration has tried to pivot that towards any body of water, a little tiny pond or drainage ditch on your farm or on your personal residence. Some people say it could be as small as a puddle. I think that might be a stretch, but the puddle thing gets people's attention, which is, were starting to apply these regulations to bodies of water that they were never intended to. And why do we know it was never intended? Because the courts ruled during the Obama years that the efforts by liberal Democrats and environmentalists to extend waters of the USA legislation to small watery bodies that were not navigable was unconstitutional, unlawful, unlawful unwarranted under the law. But guess what? That doesn't matter to the Biden administration. They're taking another crack at it. And so today, you're going to hear from Patrick Morrissey on why he and basically half the country, 25 states, including West Virginia, have sued in in what could be one of the epic environmental regulatory cases of the next few years. Remember the word WOTUS, the acronym Waters of the USA. It is the regulatory overreach that may bring the Supreme Court back in to once again punish and slap down the Biden administration for overreaching, for taking the powers of Congress into its own hands in the executive branch unlawfully. So we're going to have that. And in between those two conversations, we're going to play an interview we had earlier this week with former Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf. He will accentuate a lot of what John Zadrozny talks about. So John Zadrozin, Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf, and then West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey on the front lines of one of the most important legal fights of our generation, Back to back to back here on the Friday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Justin News. So let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to start the day off with John Zadrozny, former Homeland Security Advisor. And then he'll hand off to our great interview earlier this week, Amanda and I had with Chad Wolf, the Homeland Security Secretary. We'll have all of that right after the commercial break. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. We've been talking on this show and, of course, we've had some important stories in Just the News about a decision made in the shadows of the China espionage balloon controversy that's captured everyone's fancy in America. The fact that while that balloon was allowed to traverse our country unimpeded until it got to the ocean and then we shot it down, that another set of balloons that were very valuable to law enforcement, surveillance balloons at the Customs and Border Patrol used to monitor those who escape the border, who don't get encountered. They're called gotaways. We talk about them often on the show. Well, the Customs and Border Patrol has increasingly been forced to not be able to use those. In fact, there was a policy change announced in the last two weeks, right in the shadows of this China espionage balloon, to prevent the cpb from using these balloons they're known as aerostats in the technical term well i want to bring in a true subject expert he advised president trump on the border and immigration today he's at america first legal we've had him on the show many times before he's our good friend john he joins us right now john we've heard a lot of different complaints from the border patrol about how their hands are being tied behind their back now their eyes are being blinded from the sky. How important a loss is this to those who want to track illegal immigrants and make sure they don't cause harm on this country?
1: Hey, John, uh, thank you again for having me on. Uh, yeah, I know it's a huge loss, um, but it's, it's not really a loss in the sense of uh, it's an assault on the border patrol's capacity to stop illegal immigrants from entering the country. Uh, and I think this is an unfortunate thing that fits with the rest of the, the theme of this administration, which is do everything you can to dismantle the ability of the border patrol to do their job, so it's hard enough to do your job when you are a lot. I mean, a lot of these guys sit literally in sagebrush in the dark, like waiting for illegal aliens to come through. They're trekking in the mountains at night. Um, they don't know who they're going to encounter. Uh, they're it's dangerous. Uh, it's life-threatening. Border patrol agents have lost their jobs in these settings, and one of the tools that helps it be just a little bit less dangerous are those aerostats because what they basically do is they allow obviously high-level, visual, uh, other sensor tracking of people crossing the border. Um, There are just some places where the Border Patrol can't be all the time. And this was even when um, they were trying to enforce the border and enforce immigration laws at the border. Um, When you've got such a stretched thin force and you've just got the influx you've got, you need that tool. Uh, I I think it's historical, too. My my understanding is the administration has pointed to cost, um, and yet we have slathered so much money on so many other things uh, I, the, I'm not 100% sure of the exact cost, but it is minuscule compared to the cost the country is enduring as a result of the illegal immigration this will fuel.
0: It's absolutely amazing. And it's not even a genuine answer. I know they've said it, right? I know they said it's cost. It's not that. It's about, from everyone I've talked to, particularly the Border Patrol leadership and people down to the rank and file, once you shut these balloons off, not only have you blinded Border Patrol agents and in... in put their safety into greater danger. We all remember Brian Terry being shot at the border and others. You're also lowering the numbers that can be counted as gotaways. And this is basically another form of statistical manipulation. They want to they want to allow more legals in, but keep the official stats down is what people are telling me. Is that possibly part of their mode of statistical manipulation?
1: Oh, John, I think that's absolutely part of it. You're 100% correct, because that is the tool that really, in some ways, it's the only proof you might have in some instances of gotaways. Now, some of the gotaway statistics come from the men and women in the Border Patrol on foot. They might be in pursuit of a group. The terrain might be too difficult or just might be too dark and they just can't pursue um and those are gotaways that are reported by the men and women on the ground but you're right the aerostats are basically the ones that add to the statistical pile of gotaways because they're tracking a group that we may never be able to send um people to encounter so yeah it's a, it's a statistical manipulation uh, for sure uh, and it fits with a piece of what they're trying to do when, when you remember the first time Joe Biden went to the border was to basically announce a shadow amnesty uh back in January And um, that program is part of this. They want to be able to say, look, we're telling people not to come to the border. We're going to let them download an app (laughs) and book their flight and come here and and get addressed uh, and come into the country. So they want to be able to say that that's working. And the way they can show or quote unquote show that it's working is to reduce gotaways. And then you and I, like you said perfectly, uh, they basically want to reduce that number, so they're doing it artificially. It's not actually going to have any sort of enforcement value or deterrent effect. I mean, I can say this too about the balloons. There was a time when uh, people took immigration enforcement seriously where seeing one of those balloons in the sky was a little bit of a deterrent. Uh, but the key part of that is you have to know that the federal government is going to use the data it obtains from those balloons to then trace down people, catch them, detain them, and deport them. So, um, it's basically they're they're playing such games with the American people. These are literally life and death games. It's totally inappropriate,
0: yeah, it's absolutely stunning what is going on the gotaways are such an important part of the immigration process because most people who are willing to be encountered at the border, meaning they just cross at a border crossing and try to get into the country, are not going to be the bad guys. They're not going to be the terrorists. They're not going to be the drug runners. They're not going to be the child predators. They're not going to be uh, the human traffickers. So knowing who the gotaways are and monitoring them, because that's where the, the ones who really have ill intent coming into the country are the ones that are trying to evade detection. So, They won't go through the normal uh, process of entering the country illegally. They try to sneak through the gaps. The aerostats were one of those places where you could get a sense of who they might be and track them down so that a terrorist or a drug runner or a, a human trafficker could have a good chance of being captured. That goes away. It seems to me that this is a pretty significant national security risk.
1: I mean, it's a huge national security risk, John, you're spot on uh, in the sense that this administration has basically thrown open the doors to the world for illegal immigration. And it's really not uncommon for tens of thousands of people to just show up on ranchers' property waiting for the Border Patrol to pick them up. In fact, I remember from talking with some law enforcement in Arizona, you know, they would say, look, the, the, see that ranchers' property over there? At 9.30 a.m. every morning, there's a group of 50 or 60 people standing on that ranchers' property. Uh, and the cartels say, walk down this gully, stand on this lawn. The Border Patrol should be there within about 20 minutes. They'll pick you up and take care of you. And so uh, that those people are not a threat, right? They shouldn't be here. They're breaking the law. We can deal with them later. Uh, but the odds are if you're turning yourself into the Border Patrol, you don't have a criminal record. You're not a terrorist. You're not a foreign intelligence asset. The people who do not want to get detected, and there are hundreds of thousands that who have come over at this point, are the ones we should be worried about. And honestly, many of them are armed. Uh, We have some um, visual surveillance that's actually done by people who still like America in the state and local law enforcement community. Uh, And they are showing us things that are terrifying. It's men and women dressed in camouflage, carrying rifles and rucksacks. Uh, It looks like an army, John. And uh, we don't know what's going on. In fact, you and I, I think, have talked about this before. We are watching this spate of damage to crucial infrastructure. Um, it's been particularly acute this week with the train derailments and up hazardous materials, but this has really been going on for about a year and a half to two years, and it makes you wonder, are some of the people crossing illegally in the dark of night, blowing up food processing plants, shooting at electric substations in North Carolina? It really makes you think, maybe this is part of that problem.
0: It is really, really stunning to think about the callousness of which this illegal immigration program is being supported, advocated, implemented by the Biden administration. The law says illegal aliens shouldn't come into the country. The Biden administration is letting them in, transporting them in, blinding us to maybe the more dangerous ones by taking the aerostats down. At one point, does this become the sort of legal liability issue and the political liability issue that it became in 2016? Obviously, President Trump made build the wall, and those who come into the country illegally a winning issue on the campaign trail, it doesn't seem like it has stuck as much. I mean, there's growing numbers in the polls saying we're frustrated by it. Americans are frustrated, but it hasn't become the leading political issue it is. When do you think it is and what does needs to be done to make sure that everyday Americans start to mobilize and say, this is enough, we're done with this?
1: John, that's the million dollar question. And at this point, if, if this is not already registering with people in a powerful way, i don't know what the answer is uh, i do think it's probably uh, on a lot of people's radar who are a little more right of center um and i thought it was actually one of the top handful of issues that people do care about uh what's frustrating is it doesn't always manifest exactly it the same way in the same place so for example if you live in missouri in rural missouri maybe you don't see this every day and this isn't really something that impacts you in a tangible daily visible way but the costs of illegal immigration uh they range from People being killed and injured, U.S. citizens and non citizens, uh, all the way up to the amount of money we're paying for everything the federal government and states tax you on. So um, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to resonate. I think it is resonating with a lot of people, but the problem is people don't see it the way as cutely as you might that rancher in Texas or Arizona who has property where they're literally traipsing across their land, uh, killing animals, having gunfights. Uh, you know, that, by the way, John, I'm sure you're aware of that case of that. A gentleman in Arizona who defended his family with a firearm, killed the intruder, and he's being prosecuted now in Arizona. Um, It's egregious. And yes, people don't see that every day. I don't know what it's going to take to have people in non-exposed places in the middle of the country to see it. But I have to hope they do eventually because this this is an assault on the United States by the current president. There's no other way to say it.
0: There was a pretty significant decision yesterday. Supreme Court canceled the arguments in a Republican lawsuit to keep border expulsions going under Title 42. The Justice Department apparently convinced the justices that the law will be moot because President Biden is removing the emergency authority of the COVID-19 pandemic. Your thoughts on that missed opportunity?
1: Well, it's you know it is uh, unfortunate in one sense. I will say this though, there was never really any doubt that the president had the authority to end the Title 42 authority. Um, that's an executive branch function uh, that was always going to be unwound at some point. And I think there's been this struggle in the administration with Title 42 because there are still some people that I have it on good authority uh, embedded in places in the administration who are not comfortable with the open border scenario. Now they're not the majority, obviously, and they're not in charge, but they have been probably the proponents internally of keeping Title 42 up. The problem is Title 42 is a bit of a double-edged sword in the sense that it's a great tool if you use it properly, Um, but it also is sort of, it has a domestic dimension, right, John? You know, because Americans want the federal government to finally say 100% with clarity, the COVID emergency is over. And Title 42 necessarily would have to fall in that dynamic. I think the only real downside to that is that the the message of it's even easier to get in now is going to disperse internationally. Um, It's more of a messaging concern than a substantive concern at this point, but it's still a concern.
0: John, we always love having you on. We get clarity. We get common sense, which often is missing in this great town of Washington, D.C. Real quickly, all the great work that you do at America First Legal, how do people follow all the great things you're doing?
1: Well, thanks for that, John. Uh, please, everyone, come check us out at aflegal.org, aflegal.org. We've got a lot of fun stuff in the works, and we've got some more fun stuff coming up in the next few weeks. We'd love to have you come check us out, aflegal.org.
0: Yeah, we can't wait. We're uh, It's a site that's uh, bookmarked on mine. I check it every day as a journalist because there's important things going on there so often. John, many thanks for joining us today. Have a great weekend. We're going to get you back on real soon. Thanks, John. Have a great weekend. You as well, my friend. All right, folks, don't go anywhere when we come back. Former Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf, we're going to continue the conversation about the border, floats all the different important issues of border security that we're encouraging right now, including whether our borders up above in the skies are really that safe after what we learned about with the China spy balloon. We'll have all that right after this.
2: As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job?
0: He served as a Homeland Security Secretary under President Trump. He's now one of the driving forces behind the America First Policy Institute, where he serves as executive director and chief strategy officer. You might have seen him on our network last week hosting or helping to host the State of the Union special. He is former Secretary Chad Wolf, and he joins us right now. Mr. Secretary, great to have you back on the show. Well, thanks for having me, John. Good to be here. Wow. Great day to have you on. We're trying to make sense of all the things going on above our skies. We don't normally talk about that. We've been talking about the land border, but uh, four things shot out of the sky in eight days. That's kind of historic. Um, they have a briefing today and senators say, listen, we walked out of that briefing more confused and less informed than we walked in. Tell us your uh, impression of what's going on with the Biden administration in Congress.
3: Well, I think there's just a lot of unanswered questions, both for members of Congress, but also for the American people. And I think what I would encourage the administration to do today is to be more forthcoming. I mean, I think the president Biden needs to speak to the American people, not do that through a spokesperson or uh, another cabinet member. He needs to speak directly to the American people about what's going on over their skies. When you have four objects, one spy balloon and the others could be balloons or objects of some kind shot down within a, a six to seven day period, something is going on. And uh, most Americans are wondering out loud, like, what what is happening here? And I think members of Congress are frustrated. Look, I've been inside those rooms. I've I've both been briefing uh, these individuals and and been part of larger teams that are briefing uh, members on classified intelligence and classified information. And you need to be forthcoming. You need to give them as much information as you can. And you need to tell them, look, I don't have all the answers. We're still investigating some of this. Um, and it sounds like that is not happening completely. I'm not inside those rooms, so I don't know exactly what's going on. But if you have that, those number of, of members coming out saying, like, I've got more questions now than I did when I walked in. Uh, that's a that's a problem. And so I think my message here is we need more information from the administration. They need to tell us what they know and then they need to tell us what they don't know.
2: Yes, sir, indeed. And it's Valentine's Day. I'm going to borrow a term from the dating world. It feels like we're being ghosted by our own government because we just keep (laughs) asking questions and and we're just not getting anything back. But I wanted to switch gears to the border. Um, Obviously, this border crisis has been boiling for quite a long time, and we have seen nationals from many different countries coming across our border. But an astounding statistic, uh, almost 2,000 Chinese uh, uh, nationals in just Q4 of 20. 2022. It's up 700 percent from last year overall. What on earth is happening? I mean, with the Chinese spy balloon information, I think that everybody's a little on edge about Chinese nationals infiltrating our country from the southern border. But maybe that's not why they're here. but, But truly, what's happening?
3: Well, I think the, the real question, or answer is we're not sure, and I don't think the Department of Homeland Security is sure either, and again, the numbers that you cited about Chinese nationals coming across that border are just the ones that we apprehend, and so there are thousands, particularly in the month of December, probably closer to 70,000 individuals we didn't apprehend. So again, how many Chinese nationals are in, embedded in that flow? But I think what that number tells you is that the whole world knows that if you want to illegally enter the united states you do so through the southern border and it's been made abundantly clear by the biden administration over the last two years and you see that showing up no longer is central america right this is where uh, vice president harris goes to discuss the root causes of migration well now they are less than a third of the amount of individuals coming across that border And we're picking up folks from 130 different countries around the world. Um, So I think that number is reflective of of the new trend along the border in the last two years, that the floodgates are open, the border is open, and more and more individuals uh, understand this. The cartels are recruiting more and more individuals. They charge different nationalities, different prices to come across that border. And so uh, business is booming for them. Um, And the Chinese nationals are some of the highest paid Individuals that they traffic and smuggle across that border. And so they're making out like bandits, unfortunately, because of the policies of this administration.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And there's a little bit of sleight of hand and uh, spin going on for the Biden administration. The border incursion numbers came yeah. down a little bit in January, still the highest January, in a long, long time but what's happening it seems like is that we're taking people from coming across the border sending them to the ports and then having yeah. them come in through parole it's really the same numbers we're just uh, moving shells around tell us a little bit about that and how that may come to stop if the courts get involved
3: yeah it's such a good point you know they they say in the month of january they just issued their number about a hundred thousand uh less or a decrease of illegal apprehensions along that border but, What you're doing, what they're doing, John, is exactly what you said is they are moving 30,000 a month of those Venezuelans, Cubans, Haitians, and the like through ports of entry. So that's 30,000 a month or 360,000 a year. But they're also allowing anyone else to apply through their CBP mobile app that you find on your phone. And can show up at the border or show up at a port of entry and be released into the united states so the the result unfortunately is the same which is hundreds of thousands and millions of folks being released into the united states under a false asylum claim they're just simply moving them from the desert or across the river into a port of entry but the result remains the same which they're doing nothing to deter this type of behavior and they continue to incentivize and encourage it And then the the last piece of news I would say is uh, that they announced last week was they are reducing the number of aerostats that the Border Patrol uses, which are big balloons, (laughs) another type of balloon, not Chinese, but another type of balloon that they use along that border for domain awareness so that they understand what's going on on those border, and they track gotaways with with that technology as well. So you're also going to see in the next several months the number of gotaways go significantly down, not because there are less of them, but because the department now has less capability to track them.
0: Unbelievable.
2: Yeah. It's horrifying to see. But as a result of that, leading up to midterms, of course, we all have discussed this on air, the fact that Republicans uh, were tossing around the idea very seriously of impeaching Alejandro Mayorkas. And uh, we all found out yesterday that DHS has hired a private law firm in uh, in the wake of, of that happening or possibly happening. Um, even if he's impeached in the House, though, obviously, I, I wouldn't presume that they would have the numbers in the Senate. But is this is this a wise move or, or even necessary for DHS?
3: This is this is startling to me, having been in that position, that uh, you have thousands of lawyers at the Department of Homeland Security, uh, more thousands at the Department of Justice, that they could not find an attorney or a handful of attorneys to advise the secretary on this, that it requires going outside of the department to private counsel, spending taxpayer money on a contract uh, to go to a firm that gives by all indications, 95, 97% of all their political donations to the left, and that taxpayers are having to fund this all in an effort to save his job. What should be focused on here is the mission, securing the border, securing our skies, and doing other things that that further advance the mission of of the department, not simply trying to save one individual's job. Um, If he wants to defend his record, he should defend his record, he should defend his policies and the statements that he has made, but hiring an outside counsel to try to save that job, I think is, it, it may be OK, it may be permissible to use that money, as the Department of Justice has, has said. But just because it's permissible doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. And I think in this case, it's exactly the wrong thing to do.
0: Yeah, so remarkable. Mr. Secretary, I want to turn to a different subject. I know it crossed your desk a few times. We had another mass shooting this time in uh, Michigan State University. The same storyline, a loner who was going down mentally, his family saw it nobody raises the red flag, he carries out a heinous attack. It doesn't matter whether it's a gun or a car like we saw in New York or in Waukesha, Wisconsin. It seems like the missing piece of this is a bigger focus on mental health and intervening earlier. Do you see any hope, we have about a minute left, any hope that maybe Congress will pivot, get over the gun debate and really focus on the issue of mental illness?
3: Well, I hope they do, because, I, you know, continuing to focus on, on the weapon or uh, the Second Amendment doesn't seem to be getting anywhere. Um, there's no no room to negotiate there, because I think most people see that that is that's not the underlying se- or issue here. Uh, if it's not a weapon, it's going to or a, a firearm, it's going to be another type of weapon. So I agree with you, John. I think we've got to really get serious about some mental health issues here uh in the country and devote more resources and really think out, outside the box on this and and trying to identify and give help to those who really need it before it starts a lot of this is about awareness and about education it's not simply let's pass one more law that probably will affect law-abiding citizens that have firearms because we know the criminals no matter who they are no matter what they do they're always going to find a weapon to do what they want to do
0: all right, folks, don't go anywhere. We're going to have a really strong ending to our show today with West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey, one of the leaders of litigation of state's attorney generals of the federalism movement in America, where states are asserting their rights and fighting back against the moves of a large federal government, something that our founding fathers always envisioned and built in to the Constitution. Well, Patrick Morrissey, he's going to be here to tell us about why the waters of the USA... Legislation, WOTUS as it's known, is the next battleground between farmers and homeowners and big government. We'll have that right after the commercial break.
2: As a professional welder, Shana Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
3: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
2: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Our next guest has been one of our nation's most effective attorney generals. He has taken the Biden administration all the way to the Supreme Court and has been sounding the alarm and keeping investments from funding woke ESG investments. But now he's leading a coalition of more than 20 states in a lawsuit against the EPA, asking a federal court to vacate the newly published rule redefining waters of the United States and declared unlawful. Joining us now to discuss his hard work is West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey. General, welcome back to the show. Thank you for being
4: Hey, it's good to be with you today. And thanks for covering this really important topic. Uh, This Waters United States rule is so pernicious and affects so many Americans. So I'm glad you're giving it the attention it deserves.
2: Well, we're happy to have you. And I, I, you know, it's it's scary because it's indicative of something that we've been seeing. Uh, you know, United, uh, our constitution is pretty explicit as far as who makes the laws. It's not these unelected, unelected bureaucrats and three-letter agencies, but we are seeing this growing trend. We talked this week about the ATF and now it's the EPA. Talk to us about this rule and what you and these other 20 or so states are doing to fight it.
4: Absolutely. So first of all, This is like deja vu again, and it seems like all of the uh, policies that President Obama pushed and that we defeated in court uh, back a number of years ago that Biden's trying to trot out and in many cases trying to make it much worse, but they're consistent in two ways. Uh, In the WOTUS instance for Obama, uh, the courts ruled that he lacked the statutory authority to carry that out, and I think the same is going to happen here with uh, President Biden, but This waters United States rule is really pernicious on many levels, and that's why we just recently uh, filed a lawsuit. I think we had 25 states sign on board, and here's why they did it. This waters United States rule is kind of a one-size-fits-all approach to regulating interstate waters. Uh, But the way that the rule is designed, we're concerned you could sweep in a backyard ditch in ephemeral stream. And the concept of regulating your backyard ditch and ephemeral stream the same way as the Mississippi, the Ohio, the Potomac is completely absurd. We've gotten together a lot of the states because people know that this will affect farming, it will affect industry, it'll affect home building, contractors, realtors, anyone who cares about economic activity could really be put in a very difficult position here. And in part That's because the way the rule is structured, a lot of people don't even know whether they're subject to a Waters United States rule determination. The maps are a big mess. So a landowner may see a little puddle in his backyard and wonder, am I subject to it, am I not? And this has been a real concern. And we've seen some wild and odd enforcement of some of the Waters policies in our country. So I know this has animated a lot of people across the country. All the states of half the states in the nation stepping up and saying, no, this was deemed illegal uh, back when President Obama tried to do it. Then we successfully defended when President Trump changed the rule, I think, to make it much more consistent with the Constitution, the statute. Now with Biden, he's trying to go far afield again, and we're not going to let that happen.
0: And it's so amazing, the timing of this, too, because we're in a moment of inflation. We're in a moment where there are pretty serious projections of food shortages across the world, even in the United States. And the impact on farmers, if they're going to spend all this time trying to wonder if that little piece of water in their backyard is going to be regulated in the farm fields, uh, it's going to have a profound effect on an already stressed food system. Tell us a little bit about how farmers get really disproportionately hit by the way this rule is currently constructed.
4: Well, without a doubt. And can you imagine if you're a farmer and you're a small family farmer, and now you're going to hire compliance attorneys to know whether you're going to be subject to this uh, Waters rule or not? It obviously has a big impact in West Virginia, but it has a big big impact across the country. And I want to applaud our co-leads, North Dakota, Iowa, Georgia. But so many of the states stepped up because they know this is a dampening effect on economic activity, and we need to push back against this. I've probably had more comments on this particular rule because people are very, very deeply concerned and I'm appreciative that the Farm Bureau, uh, a lot of our business groups have stepped up uh, because this is a real concern. The other thing I would do, just for those who are watching at home, think through what the Constitution says. The Constitution gives Congress the power to regulate interstate commerce. And the way the statute is drafted, it's supposed to be for navigable waterways. When I think about navigable waterways, I used to think about that when I was growing up. Wouldn't you think of a boat or to be able to traverse the river via navigation? You don't think of backyard ditches and ephemeral streams. So there's a crazy component to this that's gotta get stopped. And this is just yet another example of this Biden administration advancing a lawless policy. We've stopped him many times before. Our batting average is very good and we're gonna do it again. And in part because of our West Virginia VPA precedent, because Congress gets to make the laws in our society, not the unelected bureaucrats.
0: Great point.
2: Absolutely, and sir, (laughs) you are a very busy man. And another thing that the American people uh, and the people of West Virginia are worried about is ESG infecting practically everything. And I know that you have led a coalition against that ESG rule by the SEC that tied investments to social credit scores, basically ESG factors. Talk to us about that and what's next uh, in
4: line. Absolutely. So we know that the SEC is supposed to be an enforcement arm to protect investors. That's when it was originally set up. And you go look at the 34 laws, the laws from 1934, you could see, okay. You want to protect investments. You want to deal and push back against wrongdoing and manipulation of the markets. ESG has nothing to do with that. What we have for ESG is an effort by the SEC to put these extraneous factors in place that completely would transform the role of the SEC from focusing on protecting citizens in terms of investments to now transforming it into an environmental regulator. The statute doesn't allow that. And we think that the case that we won last year, West Virginia EPA, that this falls squarely into the major questions doctrine. And that basically said, whenever you had a major question of the day, something of vast economic and political significance, that Congress gets to make the rules, not the unelected bureaucrats. So we think this SEC rule and many of the other policies that this administration that they're pushing out, they're going to fall due to this West Virginia EPA precedent. That was probably the biggest win against the swamp in decades, and we have to make sure that we continue to follow up on that, and we rein in these bureaucrats who try to seize power when it doesn't belong to them.
0: General Morrissey, I want to ask about this because you have won so many cases. The courts are absolutely clear that the president doesn't get to make law. He gets to enforce law, yeah. and yet you see it over and again. You saw it with the war on coal. You see it on the student loan case right now where there's no legislation. Whoa, this is the, all of these Uh, Rules, there seems to be a mentality that no matter how many times the courts clear, the the Democrats just want to ignore the courts and start the process over again. At what point is there a penalty? At what point do maybe people go to the courts and say, listen, you've decided this 10 times. You need to penalize the people that keep bringing these lawsuits.
4: Look, I think that this is a very legitimate question that you ask. And I'm hopeful everyone watching would say this. Look, if you uh, you can agree to disagree on certain policies that's America, right? Our First Amendment. You get to go back and forth. But if you're an administration that keeps trotting out one unlawful regulation after another, and you're losing 70, 80% of the time in court, and our batting average overall is very, very high, you start to wonder at what point does it become very deliberate? And I think that this is part of a conscious strategy to avoid adhering to the rule of law. Whether you're talking about immigration, where they're clearly not enforcing the law, whether you're talking about ESG, whether you're talking about a religious freedom, Second Amendment rights, our recent lawsuit against the ATF, there is a conscience pattern that every time you see a new rule, you start to say, wow, these guys are really stretching it. And you know why they're trying to stretch it? Because they know they don't have the votes in Congress. That's not an excuse to have a shortcut on our constitutional process. So I wish I could say that there'd be an even broader penalty when you lose so many cases in a row. Uh, But I think that the best... Ability now will come up in 2024 during the election cycle. Uh, But in the meantime, we're going to keep charging away and enforcing the rule of law uh, because I think that we're correct in how we're asserting it. And the American people deserve to have uh, a regulatory process that's consistent, predictable, and ultimately uh, something that's going to get upheld in the courts. And this Biden administration is not giving it to us.
0: Thank you for listening today. A big thank you to our three guests, Chad Wolf, John Zajosny, and of course, Attorney General Patrick Morrissey. Three thoughtful conversations, a lot of facts that we can hand you in a short period of time. Hey, make sure you go to the website over the weekend. We're going to have a big exclusive on justthenews.com, brand new revelations of a new political dirty trick that targeted some of our brave fighting men and women in the military. Congress has been briefed and been informed that at least 11 service members' private personnel records were improperly obtained by a research firm aligned with Democrats. This is a big one. It's breaking on Capitol Hill. A lot of concern among the lawmakers. We're going to break that over the weekend. Myself and my good colleague, Nick Ballas, you're going to have that. So stay tuned for that. Be sure to be looking out for it at JustTheNews.com. We may have a little bit of it on the television show tonight, Just the News, No Noise, 6 o'clock p.m., 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Real America's Voice. Amanda Head, my amazing colleague, and I, we co-host the show every night. Go check it out. We're going to break some news on that tonight. All right, folks, thanks for listening. God bless you. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News.